You guys put your, theoretically, your livelihood in the hands of people you oftentimes don't know very well. You get to know them for sure, especially if they're a good recruiter. But oftentimes, you don't really know who is on the other end of the phone, on the end of the text message, on the end of the, the app. We're going to talk about who those people are today and kind of how they get to do what it is that they do and how it benefits or maybe doesn't benefit you. Bottom line is that we're going to talk about recruiter training on this week's edition of Travel Evolved. Punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real world results. That's SAP Business AI. This is Travel Evolved. I am Mark Holloway. Uh, I feel like I've got to do like some public service announcements on this episode and kind of explain a few things. First, here's what I'll explain. I am not a recruiter hater. Far be it. This industry and many companies I ran relied heavily and, and completely <laughs> on recruiters. I mean, they make the industry move. I just happen to feel that what they do has become obsolete. I'm just going to, I'll say it right there. It is. Boom. That's it. It is. However, the industry has not caught up to the technology, but it will. Mark my words. Again, I'm recording this <laughs> in early 2023, so we'll see if this stands the test of time. I, I'm, I've been known lately for putting it out there, and because I think so far I, 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 I've been correct on a few things. I don't know if I've been wrong on a lot, but I'm sure I am. I'm, listen, I make mistakes every day, and I'm wrong all the time. But I'm saying on Travel Evolved, I'm usually pretty careful when I prognosticate something I put a lot of thought behind it. And for sure, this, there's been tons and uncountable hours based upon the fact that I do believe the recruiting part of our industry is completely obsolete. Well, let me rephrase that. It's outdated. It's going to become obsolete because more and more of you guys are going to realize what you're missing out on 
for companies that use the recruiting model, which obviously 99% of them do, or they have a portion that you can either choose one or the other, that's going to go away. If you're a recruiter out there, I will tell you that this is not going to be a long career for you. I just, I mean, again, you can just be so mad at me if you want to, and I'm sorry for being so blunt, but I'm giving you a heads up. If you love this industry, move into account management or move into some other area that in credentialing or something, or go start your own company. <laughs> because what you're doing right now, it's it's pretty obvious. It is an unnecessary thing. And I'm not here to promote on this industry, or in this industry, on this episode, through the industry, the my app or our app or anybody else's app. I'm just sit, t- saying the obvious. That being said, I want to have an episode on recruiter training because I still think it's important for people to understand what it takes to be a recruiter, what it doesn't take, and how that process is. I mean, you guys spend so much of your time typically on the phone with somebody that you, you're getting to know or that you barely know or that you know well. So I think it's important to talk about what it is that got them to understand your world. And I've said numerous times, countless times on Travel Evolve that I cannot put myself in your position. I can empathize. I can tell you the stuff that I kind of know about you know, being in this industry for as long as I have. There's not many people that have been in the industry this long. They're usually retired by now. I got in pretty early on and pretty, pretty young. But I still can't talk effectively and specifically about what it is like to be a traveler. Now, there are recruiters who have traveled before that have gotten out of traveling and healthcare in the recruiting side. Yikes. <laughs> I want to stay in there, but I think that's a different scenario. I would say those folks are unique in the fact that they can talk intelligently about what it's like to be a traveler, but there's not that many of them. I do believe that that is a absolute advantage if you have a recruiter that has done what you do, or, or I don't care if they're allied and you're, you're nursing or vice versa, they, you can, they can still understand the lifestyle and what it's like to be out there on the road and calling an agency because your payroll is wrong or you, 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 know, you can't, you, you're getting terminated or you've got an issue going on at two o'clock in the morning with your facility and the house supervisor, whatever the case is. That's difficult for all of us to truly understand until you've been there and done that. All right, that being said, and again, I, this is not an episode. I'm going to do some bashing recruiters because it's not that I'm bashing them individually. Please understand that. I, I'm going to talk openly, as I always do, about the good, hear me on that, and the the bad and the unnecessary that is part of our industry. Because, like I said, it's coming, guys. I mean, there's so many reasons why... The model that we use to communicate jobs through and how you get positions and how you get submitted and all that stuff through an individual, a commission-based individual, it, the time the time is, is, is short. It really is because every company out there, whether you guys know this or not, but every company is looking at what we're doing, what other companies are doing. They're all starting to fall into place. All of a sudden, apps are coming out. Apps are getting tweaked. There, people know this stuff. People are way smarter than, than you and I. <laughs> understand where this industry is headed now the difference is a lot of them don't understand the benefit of the of having a recruiter's model especially the financial one you're not going to see that in many of the big companies it's not going to look a lot different financially to you guys a traveler but i think that's an important aspect of it so we're going to jump in because i got a pretty long episode i think i mean it depends on how much i ramble and how much i repeat myself but i think we're going to have a good a good long-ish 
episode that you may have to listen to a few times because I think it's important. So let's jump in because I, I got a lot to cover. First and foremost, this is not an epiphany for me. This is not anything that you haven't heard before. Recruiters are salespeople. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I've been a salesperson my whole life. I sell you guys on trying to download our app sometimes. I sell you guys on definitely trying to you know, subscribe to Travel Evolved. I want more listeners. I'm, I'm selling you, and it's not a bad thing. I want more subscribers. I absolutely do. I mean, that's, that's just the fact. Being a salesperson is not a bad thing, but we've made that be a four-letter word in our society. But last time I looked, every time you're looking at buying something, I don't care if you're going into a... People don't really go into stores anymore. I'm sure a lot of you do still do. I don't care if you're going to buy a car, you're buying a house. I mean, a realtor is a salesperson. They won't, they'll, they won't like that either, but they are. I mean, you go to a chiropractor's office, they're selling you on buying a package and, and getting you into a, a more affordable program. You go to a gym, you got a person at the front desk or the person that's going to walk around, there's a salesperson there. Recruiters are no different. They are selling you on the positions that they have and doing their best to convince you to take those assignments through their agency and through them specifically so that they make commission that their company is going to pay them because you went through them. This is not small stuff, guys and gals. I will tell you that you know, it used to be that the average placement of an RN in the late 20-teens, let's say 17, 18, Depending on the company's margin, it was anywhere from about $5,000 to about $9,000 total revenue for a company over those 13 weeks. That's about what we would, we would make on the, on the, um, at, at the end of the day, so to speak. We had a lot of money floating out there, and those last couple of invoices, maybe two or three invoices, again, if you have a company that had a big margin, you know, that's what it was. It would be hard to, back in 2016, 2017, it would be hard to be making $9,000. I know there's companies out there, some of the big ones were doing that. Some of the ones that had gotten a little bit bigger started having larger margins. I'm just going back to what I did with my former company, and we really were averaging about $5,000 on an RN traveler, which is low. Most people were six or seven. But I had this philosophy that I wanted to make less money so people would come to our company. And it was working very well because the word got out. You guys talk. I loved that. During the pandemic, that doubled and tripled literally doubled and tripled. I saw deals and did deals that were 15,000, close to 20,000, 18, 19,000, all dependent upon the bill rate. And I do believe that many companies, like I've said repeatedly here, increased their margin. So we're not talking about small dollars. Every, that means that, that a traveler, let's just say right now, it's let's pretend it's, I don't know, $8,000. That means if, if a company is making an average of $8,000 on assignment, which I still think is kind of low, I think they're higher than that, that would mean that that company is making $32,000 gross profit off of a traveler that works for them for an entire year for assignments. That's legitimate for companies that have the, and I would probably say it's closer to 40000 because most companies still are hanging around that thirty margin. If they're at a 30% margin, you are talking about if you're an RN, for example, let's just say an average, an ICU or a PACU RN, you're probably generating about $40,000 worth of revenue to your company and your agency that you work through if they're average. There are companies that are going to be making slightly more. There are companies that are going to be making a lot less. I'm talking about the average. I'm not talking about anything personal or whatever. I mean, those are the 30% margins. Obviously, if you're 
if you're less than that, you can cut that by a third, right? You might be down to $7,000 a year, or I'm sorry, a, 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 an assignment. So it's significant, and that's why the margins are different. You know, if you, if you look at that, <laughs> you're talking about 28,000, right? So as opposed to 40, so $12,000, $1,000 a month difference in between a 20% margin company and a 30% margin company, that's about $1,000 that's going to the company and not to you on average per month. These are big numbers. I guess what I'm getting, I'm not trying to talk too much about the numbers. I'm just saying that people, recruiters are salespeople because we're talking about a big amount of money. So you, you got to be pretty good, right? If every person you're bringing to the, to the company is making you as a recruiter about $40,000, I should have brought my calculator out. I need to do the math on that. I probably should have. But it's making that recruiter a decent amount of money. But you're not going to get rich as a recruiter on one traveler, trust me. But I'm trying to give you an idea that this is not, we're not talking about little dollars. We are for a recruiter. Unfortunately, for those people that listen to me that are recruiters, you're making a, just a smidgen of what your company makes. <coughs> Excuse me. Lots of times the company does hide from their recruiting team specifically what they're making. But if anybody that understands these numbers, any recruiter understands these numbers, can do the math and see quickly how much a company is making and how little they are. It is not a 20%. <coughs> excuse me, 20% type commission plan. Far from it. Most agencies pay their recruiters very little because they've got a decent salary. And, you know, they're trying to get them to be around a, a six-figure income if they're really solid. Some recruiters make ridiculous money. A lot of recruiters make le a lot less than that. But that's kind of the overall goal. So we're talking about decent money. You have to be a pretty good salesperson to be successful as a recruiter. And I'm, again, <laughs> It sounds like I'm, again, I hate the word salesperson. It sounds negative. I'm just being frank and blunt and honest, and you guys need to too. When you're on the phone with somebody from an agency, that recruiter is doing everything that he or she can to make sure that you please take this, please, please, please take this with me. Because I know 200 other companies, maybe 400 other companies, have the same position. And I'm sure if you really research, you could find one that pays more than I, the recruiter, am offering you. But I'm hoping that you like me. And that, that this is where the sales aspect comes in. I've mentioned a good recruiter does a better job than, than an average or poor recruiter at that retention because there are things that they bring to the table, which I'm going to talk about today, that are good, that help. That's what makes recruiters better than others. Their, their attention, their meticulousness, if, there is, if that's kind of what you're looking for, their their pushiness to uh, with respect and making sure they're not pushing too far their ability to communicate with you their understanding of when you want to be communicated with what time of day what times during the assignment if you want to wait to the very last minute if you're looking for stuff halfway through recruiters that have done this for a while understand how to read a traveler and they've gotten good at it because that's what they're doing i mean this, again this is this is transparent 101 you guys are looking for an assignment. You've got X amount of companies that have that assignment. You are now trying to figure out which company to take the assignment through. And most of you have told me for 20 years at least that it oftentimes comes down to the pay package and to the recruiter to some point. You know, how do you feel about that recruiter and potentially a company? Oftentimes a distant third, which is crazy, but it is. So agencies are out there looking and trying to find recruiters. As they grow, they need more of them to maintain their numbers. Any company worth its weight as it's growing is going to be adding recruiters because they're going to want to be getting all of them to that great income level that they're making, which means they're bringing in more and more 
travelers to that company on a full-time basis. Some companies even have recruiter assistants or recruiter techs that help them. So you don't even actually talk to your recruiter very often. You're talking to the you know you talk to them when they rebook the assignment or to run the numbers by you, but mostly you're talking to one of their assistants to get pay packages and information. I'm sorry, not that. That's what the recruiter will tell you. But to get your credentialing done and get your all your stuff they need for your submission and all the things we'll talk about here. It's just a, it's just part of the process. So it's a revolving door, as you guys have all experienced. You'll be working with a recruiter at a company, all of a sudden he or she's gone, and you're being assigned to somebody else. You're also trying to find out if you're brand new in this or you're new with a company, a new agency, and you're switching companies. You're trying to figure out how long has that recruiter been around, what, how much do they know. You guys all do this, and I know you do, and you should. You've told me. And I got a, I, I got you know hooked up with somebody that didn't have that much experience, and I needed someone who understood this more, so I passed. And that's the struggle that recruiters face. When they're brand new in this industry, it is really difficult for them. They're, you guys are pretty savvy. Most of you veteran travelers understand, and you will chew up a new recruiter pretty fast. Their goal is to pretend and try to seem like they're not that new. <laughs> it's just, the, again, the, the silly game that we all play to try to, you know, convince you guys to, to go to I me mean, every recruiter that's brand new is trying to pretend like they're brand new and they're trying to get you to they're trying to learn their learning curve as fast as they possibly can to convince more and more of you to take the assignment with them and if you're good at it you're a good salesperson you're going to be successful shipping can make or break a sale so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. they make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs so optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So constantly, and the, the one thing I'll tell you is that this industry is, is a revolving door. It is not for everybody. If a recruiter has been around, it doesn't mean they're always going to stay at the same company, but if you find out that a recruiter has been doing this for 10 years plus, a pretty good likelihood that you'll have them for a while until they're obsolete but they're not probably going to go anywhere they may switch companies you want to find out that next question how long have they been with that company for but you're probably in pretty decent hands with a recruiter that's pretty knowledgeable the, the, the problem lies is for someone with less than that experience how good are they how much have they taken their own craft and their own learning curve to learn the things that they need to learn to be very beneficial to you and helpful to you and only you and in each individual relationship there can really decide whether you know what that is but that's what you're looking for you're looking for someone who understands everything we're going to talk about today and understands what you do and has a is organized and efficient and effective and they're trying their best to become all those things to more and more travelers so they can make more and more money that's just the way it goes Here's one of the things I'll tell you. The, one of the advancements that's happened in 20 years, for sure, and probably most uh, significant in the last seven or eight years, has been the, the introduction to staffing software. Again, I'm, I, mean, I know I'm a dinosaur in this industry, but for most of my career, we were using things like ACT and Salesforce and, and cookie-cutter-type software to store our database and our information on every traveler. We were able to put people in as, the, as leads came in. We were able to kind of put some notes in there, potentially schedule some reminders. But the software itself has gotten very, very advanced. There's been a few companies out there that have worked really hard to either tweak some of those cookie cutter type software, or they've actually has been a lot of them that have developed specific, not only staffing, but healthcare staffing software. 
Of course, the last thing is that a lot of bigger companies have created their own software that allows them to do all the things that I'm going to talk about. Here's what it does. It first of all makes your recruiter hyper-organized and very, um, and it does the, the best that it can to make them successful. And what I mean by that is, again, I, I know I'm going maybe too fundamental, and but I just want to give you guys a full picture so that people that don't know what you know will understand what I'm talking about. Literally, they can pull up a screen that has your information on it. Here's your name, here's your email, here's your phone number, here's your specialty, here's how long you've had your specialty, here's any other areas that you may float to, here's your certifications or licensure, and oftentimes, here's where you last said you wanted to work, here is potentially your date of availability, and oftentimes these softwares even hold all the documents and things that you've sent your company, including potentially all the things that you did that were specific to a, an assignment for credentialing. It all varies. But this snapshot, this screen, and they're all different, has everything that you have provided for them. Now, if they're getting your information from a lead source, it's going to have a lot of blanks in there. If it's old, it's going to have a lot of outdated information. But this is what you look like to a recruiter. Now, you can get out of those screens and you can sort things by, I want to look at all the let's say, pack you RNs that are interested in Arkansas. So software does that too. If there's a job that pops up in Arkansas, a recruiter or recruiting team can oftentimes look and see who is the last person that said that they wanted to work in Arkansas that holds this specialty of PACU. And they can start to smile and dial or text or do what they're going to do. Now, oftentimes there's ownership. You know, In other words, a recruiter owns you. And I hate to say that, but they do. Companies internally are constantly working on making sure that the recruiter that has you assigned to them is working you, for lack of a better word. If they're not seeing activity, then any decent recruiter manager will be reassigning you to somebody else that hasn't. If you, if, and again, I'm talking about if you haven't worked for them. If you've worked for them, you pretty much are, are owned by that recruiter until you're, you ask to be reassigned or somebody quits or someone has said it just isn't working out. A recruiter, could, I guess, could, could fire you, but that's unlikely. You can fire the recruiter usually a lot more, com more commonly than the other way around. But I'm talking about those, you know, the people that are in your database that have not really started communicating with a specific recruiter. They're kind of up for grabs. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Not every company has that. Everyone has their own rules. You may be assigned leads for a certain period of time, and then, then they're given away if they're not worked or you don't have success with them. It really varies from agency to agency. But a recruiter can go in and look and say, hey, I just saw a really dynamite pack you job in Arkansas. Let me go and look and see who's available that has not been assigned to somebody or who's in the our database. And they can start to do those smiling dialing calls. So if you don't if you're wondering how like how come sometimes I get a call out of the blue or you know my information's wrong or I you know there's someone's telling me that I I'm pack you and I moved into ICU or that I wanted Arkansas but I really only want you know Missouri now, then it, it that's how this stuff happens. The data gets old. But I'm walking you through what it looks like from their end. Now, if you tell a recruiter, hey, I'm in the middle of a assignment, I just started one, but I'll be available in 13 weeks, they can put a reminder in that software that says, call this PACU nurse, in this example, in six or seven weeks so I can start to you know, work them, sell them. I mean, again, I'm using shitty terms, but I, I, that's the way it is. Oop, I think I now have to change the... <laughs> I have to change the... Uh, the, the parental guidance on this episode. Maybe they'll edit that out. Sorry, just slipped out. But it is. They're trying to work you. 
And they've got, okay, now all of a sudden, if you wonder, by all of a sudden, that, boy, that recruiter's really good. I told him I'd be available. And sure enough, he or she's calling me. Well, it's the software that's doing that. They don't have, they're not writing this down. It's, it's, it's meant by design to keep them organized. It's no different than a, you know, you buy a, a car from a dealership and they're, they're calling you six months before the, you know, the, let's say your payment's done or lease is up so they can try to see if they can sell you to purchase the car. I mean, it's all done by software nowadays. But there's other things that this also does. For example, if you are, in fact, been working with a recruiter and you are a PACU nurse who wants Arkansas and a job comes up and is put into their database, it will oftentimes instantly match them and show them, hey, the job your traveler is looking for just became available, which you know triggers them to schedule a call as soon as they, as soon as they prioritize that call. How important is that to that recruiter? To decide if they're going to reach out and tell you about it, they're, you know, they may look and it might be not paying enough, and they know what your parameters are based upon the notes they put in. Oh, it's not paying the amount of money this particular traveler wants, so I'm not going to call. But basically, it cues up that this has matched up based upon the information that you last gave that company. So that's another really good advantage. I mean, that's that's good stuff right there. It tells them instantly that there is a potential match and an opportunity to present to you. And they've got to go ahead and, and, and do what they, they need to do. But it does help them search for you know a great job and see who they can call. It helps with reminders. It helps with matches. And then obviously what it also does is, is most of these softwares will have an internal calculation. This is where I need to spend a little bit of time. I don't want to, I mean, I'm going to do the best I can because I want to keep this episode as short as possible. But softwares nowadays also take the rules that the CEO, CFO, account managers, whoever's in charge of deciding how this company is going to offer pay based upon the bill rate and the pie. Go back and see episodes. If this is your first episode, you got to get caught up. Listen to all of them, please. You won't understand what I'm talking about. To calculate the margins in which they are now going to present this offer to you at. Again, many companies have, here's the offer, period, to the penny. I like those companies. The ones I don't like, the majority of companies out there, have a range. And that range says if you offer the traveler this much, here's your commission. If you offer them this much less, here's your bigger commission. But they have typically somebody has set the rule. This is as low as you can go because they don't want to be too uncompetitive. They don't want they don't want you to be the worst paying company out there. But a lot of them push that envelope and are. But the recruiter can make a ton of money. Here's the most we're going to make because we don't want to do a deal unless it makes sense to us. And, and again, there's, there are many companies that have a percentage of range. Usually it's only about five total percent, which is big. Or it's a company may say, I've got anywhere from 27 to 32 percent margins. And I don't think that's an inaccurate statement right now what's out there. So if you're going to do a 27% margin, you're only going to make this much, Mr. or Mrs. Recruiter. But if you're going to go up to our high end, we're going to pay you significantly more, which means the company's going to garner a lot bigger piece of that pie, and the recruiter's going to make a slightly bigger piece. But to the recruiter, it's more commission. So they're incentivized to do a better deal for the company and to not offer you as much money. That's the nicest way I can put it. And that is the primary commission plan in most companies. There's a limit. We don't want to go too high because we're not going to make enough money. There's definitely a limit to how low you can go. And, and recruiters are different breeds of people. You do have many of them who will say, I want to do less deals, but I want to capitalize and make the most I can off of every traveler. And I'm going to work on making a big chunk of money. Or I'm going to 
look at them individually every time I have a deal. If this person seems a little naive, I may try to get the most I can, but I also want them to work for me more, so i got to be careful. But if they're going to be a little bit naive and not watch Mark and Travel Evolve, then I'm going to try to get them for as much as I can so I can bring home to my, my family as much money as I can. you got the other extreme where people say, listen, I'm going to work more on volume. I'm going to go as low as I possibly can and, and just try to get more deals because I want to pay my travelers as much as I possibly can. And I like to sleep good at night. And I'm going to go as low as my agency can. Most agencies don't like those recruiters, by the way. I've been involved in conversations when I was consulting with recruiters that typically go on the low end. And they're like, can you bump that up a little bit? How come you're always down at the bottom, you know, giving away the ship, so to speak? Somebody eventually looks at that and, and doesn't like that, but they've set the, the rule. So recruiters and people and salespeople are going to do what makes the most sense for them in their own particular, I guess, style that they want to, to recruit from. So... That's what that software kind of does and what it looks like. It is presenting a snapshot. It makes them organized, and it should, right then and there, <clears throat> for the most part, give you or give the recruiter, I should say, a, a legitimate quote with the pieces of the pie carved out that we want, that we already have done. In other words, the software is going to do the math for you. It knows the vendor fee, so it's going to take 90 or take 5% and give 95% of that bill rate to start to play with. It's going to know, it should, what the GSA is in that county. The, the software should be sophisticated enough that it shows a zip code that comes in and says, here's what the rate is for the GSA, and they maximize that. Our company, some of these companies have only doing 75% of the max GSA, whatever their situation is and what they want to do. But it calculates that. So the more you play around with the hourly rate, the percentage goes up and down, or vice versa. The more you play around with the percentage, the taxable rate goes up and down, so the recruiter can see very easily the the range in which they can offer the position. Or for those very few companies, boom, here's what it is. And that's what they're offering. So it lets them play around with it. So again, when you hear a recruiter tell you, well, I've got to go talk to somebody and I gotta I'll get I'll get back with you on a quote, it's a little bit of a head scratcher because unless they're not using sophisticated software, they should be able to see instantly exactly what that rate is. Instantly. But you guys keep telling me that recruiters oftentimes will Maybe they're not talking to you. Maybe I'll, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're texting you or emailing you or, or you're working through an instant message on Facebook or a direct message, and they're going back and forth. But it should be very quickly that they can provide a quote of what this particular position that you've either discussed or that you're interested in is paying on a gross amount. Now, some agencies start to calculate and figure out taxes based upon averages. They don't certainly don't know what your deductions are or what you're going to claim. So I think that's crazy. I would always work with gross weekly amounts based upon tax advantages and because that does. The more tax-free there is, the less the income tax or the payroll tax will affect the taxable income, which means it does change. But it should be an automatic thing. A recruiter shouldn't have to sit there and calculate that. Their software should do that for you. I just wanted to give you guys a general idea. A lot of this stuff is done up front. So this is why, again, the software, the technology is there, but you're still dealing with a human who is now going to do their best to, or let's start off with organizing their day. And then I was going to say, and I want to kind of finish my thought, they're also going to try to you know talk and, and jump around payroll and pay rates and pay packages for what they're offering you. So as a recruiter, what you're basically doing is you're organizing your day. And I've said this a lot recently to a lot of people that are working for me or are interested in this or just have called or asked some questions through Travel Evolved. What a recruiter is constantly doing every day is they're juggling and prioritizing their day based upon the 
reminders, and, and we call them alarms, that they've set for themselves in the past that says all of a sudden they got 20 things they're supposed to call today because they told people they would call back. And it could be anything from a reminder for something credentialing for a person that's about to start. It could be just a check-in call for those people that are working. It could be a reminder just to make sure that we receive a Kronos report. It could be a reminder that says, hey, I know you want to be submitted to this job, but I've only got a resume. I still need some more documents. It could be a flat-out call. It also could be uh, where they, you've asked them to call back or they're kind of interested in they want, and you wanted to follow up on an offer. All these things are all going to pop up when a recruiter walks in in the morning. They're going to now prioritize. I mean, some of them that are good might just say, hey, I said I'd do this at 8. I said I'd do this at 8.15, 8 at 9, all that kind of stuff. But in the meanwhile, these matches of jobs are popping up. All of a sudden, there's, a, there's this PACU job in Arkansas I keep referring to popping up. And they've got to figure out when is the best time for me to call my interested PACU RNs that want Arkansas. Or when is the best time for me to text them? Can I text them quickly through my software? Do I need to make a phone call? How do they want to be done? And again, that's for every job that comes in. So I've told people that you also are looking at a recruiter putting a value on their ability to book you. How easy can I book this person? Is this the job they want? How marketable is this traveler that absolutely comes into play? And what kind of commission am I going to make on this traveler? All those things are constantly going around recruiter's head. If you've got somebody who you know, kind of said, I'm open to these 20 different locations, and you've got an average paying assignment, that's going to fall down lower. If that assignment is crazy high paying, that may fall higher. If you've got somebody who has a whole bunch of experience, every certification in the book is, is um, you know, gets interviewed right away, that's going to push them up. Vice versa, it's going to push them down if they don't have those. And of course, the big one I think is that the higher the bill rate, which means the more oftentimes difficult it is to find this traveler, the higher priority is for the recruiter because they're going to make more commission. If they're making a percentage of the company's margin, clearly the higher, the more the company makes, in other words, the more higher your bill rate is, the higher a priority you're going to be for that recruiter, which means, unfortunately, for some people that don't have a very high bill rate for some specialties in both nursing and allied that are lower on the pay slash bill cycle, that's going to push them down which is unfortunate, but it's, it's the human element. Let's just say you've got a certified registered a nurse anesthetist that is looking for a really high paying job and it pops up in the place that the one place they want. And let's say you've got a, cer a, a certified nursing assistant who's pretty wide open and you've got 10 jobs that just came in and you don't know how committed they are. Who's getting the phone call first? And unfortunately, you guys all have to look at your own value. And this is one of the reasons I think that this 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 industry is this this position is going to be obsolete because it things like apps, let's just be honest, or or desk, desktop and and website driven uh, companies that do the same similar thing, it's why they're moving to the forefront because there's no discrimination between when you're available, how marketable you are, how much commission you make the recruiter, or, the, or I guess I say a company because there is no recruiter, and I guess how high or how low the job is paying. It's just boom, here it is. It is undiscriminatory in any way, shape, or form, which means it makes it so that those of you that aren't always on the top of the pile, and most of you aren't, let's be honest, there's only one person on top of that pile, 
that makes it so that you're going to get the information a lot faster. And unfortunately, you guys have to recognize the one thing I'm saying is that you are being prioritized all day long. If you're lucky, you're being prioritized up. If you're unlucky, you're being prioritized down. And oftentimes, you don't know which way you are and where you are with that particular recruiter. That's just a flat-out, frank, honest, <laughs> I almost did it again. <laughs> I almost really threw one out there. <laughs> frank, honest statement. You are being prioritized based upon each one of the recruiters that you're maybe working with. If you're working with more than one, you're, you're being prioritized based upon their value they put on you and based upon the, their, the, the likelihood of you making them money and how much. Let that sink in for a minute. That's never changed in our industry. That's been that way since this industry has started. That's what it goes through recruiters' head. This is kind of the maybe aha moment that I'm getting. I want some of you guys to understand is that it's it's a prioritization, and it's really based upon what I just said, that likelihood. So let's get back to some training aspects of it. The first thing you do when you walk in as a brand-new recruiter, and this is what I'm going to do, is you've got to learn what you guys do. Now, this is where that learning curve is lengthy. You cannot just walk in unless you've been in healthcare, which is why I think people that have traveled have a big advantage, and I'm making some friends out there now. I do believe that. I actually personally think that the deck is stacked better if you've got a recruiter that's been a traveler in healthcare before. I just believe that. Secondary, if they've been in IT or, or you know, in, in accounting, they've traveled and, and, and worked in, in that sort of thing. But everybody else is walking in this not understanding theoretically what your lifestyle is like and now more importantly what I want to get at is what it is that you guys do. Here's what I mean by that. If you are I'll just let's say a respiratory therapist. Obviously you've got different types of sort of you got a CRT, you got an RRT. A brand new recruiter oftentimes is not going to know the difference. Even though it says right there they may waste your time or be notifying you about positions that you are not able to be submitted for. Happens all the time. A certification, a qualification. I, I oftentimes use telemetry or step down as a great example on the RN side because it's more about missing an assignment. If you tell a, a, a new recruiter that you are telemetry, are they going to notify you about a intermediate care position? Maybe you're not qualified, but maybe you are, and they won't know that that would be also be something that you're interested. What if the hospital's so small they don't have a telemetry and an ICU? They have a critical care unit that you would be more than happy. The, the, the acuity at that level of a hospital you would be want, willing to do, and you're telling that person that, but they don't understand what you're saying, so you're, they're not prioritizing those CCU, in this case, positions that are coming up, or those intermediate care positions that, that are coming up. That's a great example of a specialty that has a lot of different names to it that not all recruiters are really going to understand, especially at the very beginning. It takes some time to understand it. So you're missing potential you know, matches, and you're not even on the list of priorities. They haven't even put you on that list yet, so it doesn't even pop up or show. These are the kind of examples I'm talking about where it's a recruiter is doing their best that they can to move through that learning curve as fast as possible because it, it's costing them money. The more they miss, the more they misunderstand, the, the more that they waste time by presenting to you positions that you're not able to do or not qualified for or don't have the certification for. Nobody wins, and it's a time waste, and it oftentimes can be what, what makes it so some recruiters don't make it because they're having trouble understanding that aspect. It's important they understand what you guys do. So a lot of recruiter training is spent 
on understanding the different specialties, literally from allied to nursing and all the different nuances in between. And it's difficult. You cannot teach somebody this stuff in a week-long or two-week-long training program. You can do your best, but there's so much information. I mean, I, I, again, I went from one-week recruiter training to two-week recruiter training when I had recruiters, and it still didn't feel like it was long enough. But you had to get them out there. They had to start you know, ripping off the Band-Aid, as we always say, and start making phone calls and calling nurses and allied professionals so they could start to learn faster because you do learn quicker in real life than you do sitting in a, in a classroom type setting. And that's what I found. I felt that two weeks was about the perfect time frame. Maybe some people think that's too long. Maybe some people don't think it's there. But I mean, again, the, the training with my old companies never stopped. We just kept going because there was a lot of one-on-ones and, and continuing education we were doing to try to make sure that they were pushing them through that learning curve faster. Some companies don't do that. Some companies just throw them to the wolves. They give them what they have, and then you learn from your fellow recruiter or the school of hard knocks, and you sink or swim. And there's a lot of companies that have that sink or swim philosophy. I oftentimes think the bigger a company is, the more that sink or swim mentality tends to come into play. So you got to be really careful. But that's a difficult, very, very difficult and confusing aspect of, of becoming a recruiter brand new. You just It's hard to learn. It is a lengthy learning curve. It is a slow learning curve. You may really understand you know, this respiratory therapy aspect because you've gotten a chance to work with a few and you really get it. Maybe a traveler educated you or somebody else did but you're still missing the boat on some things that you don't even know about. And it's oftentimes hard for anybody above you to realize what a recruiter's missing because they aren't seeing oftentimes what they're what they are doing, what they're not doing. But that's primarily one of the biggest parts of a recruiter training. First of all, understanding our industry. The concept of travel healthcare is a little bit unique to people that don't, have never seen it. It's one of the first things I always say when I get a new person. They're like, hey, i got to walk you through the 36,000-foot view of what this looks like. I, I'm going back to when I first got in the industry, and I've said this many times, I felt like it was like substitute teaching, but for, for nurses, because I was a nursing guy. And it took me a while to understand how this actually worked. And I think a brand-new person who interviews with a company and understands that you're going to be on the phone making calls and texting and doing the things you're doing to to build a, a, you know, a pipeline is going to take some time. And it's... It is understanding how this whole thing works. So wait a minute. You mean these people send me their stuff and they we match them up with the jobs and when they're interested, we, we submit them and then what happens? I mean, in the hospital, they call them on the phone? Are they in front of them? No, it's on the phone? Okay. And then they say yes and then we send them an offer and and, and they actually drive their car and go across the country and work? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it seems normal to us. <laughs> but to a brand new recruiter off the street that's never done this before, it's a very unusual concept that, that many especially young people, haven't really thought about. So understand you're dealing with something and they're dealing, and a person who's training their recruiting team is dealing with that every time they hire a new group or a new person. So it's understanding that concept and then it's literally walking them through every other aspect of the things that you that they need to know about you Right down to you know how to submit you and the, the pay package they're going to offer you, which I'm going to go into a little more detail about, believe it or not, all within a two-week period, and then they're going to throw you out there, and then you're going to go. So obviously, the longer recruiters been around, the more the he or she should understand this. But it's remarkable how many times you guys tell me that recruiters still don't understand a lot about compensation, which I think is probably one of the most difficult things for a recruiter to understand. And oftentimes, I'll, I'll qualify this and say it's by design. Their agencies don't want them to know too much. They don't really want the recruiter, much like you, to see how much money that they're making. That's also a big part of our industry.
So I just said something a little bit ago that I want to jump on. And I said, you know, basically, let's pretend for speed of this episode, let's pretend the recruiter has gone through the recruiter training, which I know is the title of the, of the, of the, uh, the episode. But without bogging down, I'm going to go over what they're being trained as I start moving to some other things, which this first one is. One of the most important things to understand right away is, all right, I, I finally hooked somebody. I've got them interested in our, in our company or in me personally as a recruiter, maybe a specific job, whatever the, whatever the hook was, they're, they're ready to go. What do I need to do now? Well, we need certain documents in order to be able to submit them to said position. This varies by agency. This also varies by vendor requirements. As we, as we know nowadays, I, I think I said this a few episodes ago, a couple of my vendors that I work with are requiring copies of actual copies of your certifications up front. So we started asking everybody for it because maybe you're not applying to a job right now that requires that, but once you're working with us, it's likely you're going to be applying to some that do, and we don't have to go back and ask you again. So we say, hey, send us copies of your BLS, your ACLS, just certifications. We don't need medical now. Maybe that's coming. Maybe medical is coming too. Like, gosh, I hope not. That would be tough to have to be, but who? I would not be surprised if down the road people are going to be asking for it because they already are asking for COVID vaccination status or copies of. doesn't mean that they're all requiring it, but we're asking for that too. If you have it, give it to us because some hospitals are still asking for a documentation, whether it's one round, two round, or eight boosters. They all want to see what you have. And the same thing with flu shots. It is one of those things nowadays that they're asking for that up front. They never used to. Three years ago, they were not asking for copies of a flu shot in order to be submitted, but they're asking for that now. So we have gone in my company to asking for those every certification you have copies of it so they can see that it's still you know is has not expired yet and that flu and that covid vaccine if you have those if you don't we just want to know that you don't so we can make sure that we're preparing you for agents for companies that aren't requiring that up front or don't require it at all right they're also going to ask for a, a resume i mean everybody needs to see your history and they're also going to be with that resume going to be looking for references that they can call and we can verify so that we can show that somebody has said you're a good healthcare professional. And then lastly, for most different specialties and modalities, are going to, we're going to be needing, we, we and all companies are going to need a, some sort of a, of a checklist that shows your skills, whether it's something you're doing on a testing situation or something that you're doing in a self-evaluation type experience. Um, both of those typically work for a submission. So that recruiter needs to know that. What does that look like and how do they do that? Again, some agencies are small and the recruiter is actually building that Let's say it's a PDF, and they're putting that all together. Most agencies nowadays have people or software that does that for them. They just click and point it in there, and next thing you know, it's going into those things all nice and perfect with the company's logo and potentially a cover page. You guys should know that some vendors are very specific. Some vendors don't want to see a logo on anything. They want it to be what's called vendor neutral, which means they, they don't want to differentiate or have a bias based upon a company that hasn't done well for them or the one that has, which is kind of cool, I guess. Um, but they're also oftentimes will ask for a, a cover page that's very specific to what they're looking for so that the manager gets used to or their person at their vendor company that's kind of pre-interviewing you or pre-screening you can go down their cover page and look to see if you meet the minimum qualifications in order to actually be submitted. So believe that or not, hear that twice. Hear that again. There's oftentimes a two-step process to a submission, if I've never said that before, with many companies. You the agency, once they get all their stuff together, submits you to the vendor. The vendor then screens you, maybe even does a pre-interview call if you guys ever had one of those. If you pass that, then they, in fact, put you in front of that hiring manager, or at least in front of that facility for your real, quote-unquote, screening or interview. 
All right, let me kind of back up a little bit. And then, well, not back up. Let, let's get back to what I really wanted to say. What a recruiter is trying to do when they first walk in to their desk is they're trying to build a pipeline. And, and again, I'm using a sales term, pipeline, because that's truly what they're trying to do. They are trying to get as many travelers as they can to communicate with them. So they've got your, they've, you've got the, excuse me, the, in the profile ready to go, and they've learned that. So now it's, I'm going to add that person to my pipeline. Maybe I'm going to be submitting them. Remember, part of the game with the recruiting with the recruiter is to get you to fill out the paperwork. I've oftentimes said this, and this is one of those things that I think I really want you guys to remember me saying is that if a recruiter convinces you to take the time to send in a resume, which is not that difficult, but to fill out a skills checklist and maybe start sending all the copies of the things I just mentioned, they feel they got you. They feel that you're kind of on a hook, so to speak. What's up, buddy? Maximus the dog is here hanging out with me. They feel like they've kind of got you on the hook a little bit, that you are committed now. I mean, you don't want to do this with 20 different companies, right? They, they're counting the fact that you might only be doing this with one or two or three because it becomes a pain. They know this. So part of the goal is if I get this traveler to send me that stuff, that's I'm, I'm probably going to be, I'm in the mix, right? So they're constantly you know, looking at building that pipeline by all the different ways that we've always talked about at Travel Evolve, by cold calling you, throwing out memes onto Facebook, texting. Again, once they get you, you're in the pipeline. Now they're going to continue to make sure that, that you stay theirs, which means, again, what if it's a brand new lead? What if you've reached out to the company or you've reached out through a social media coordinator, which happens nowadays, on any different social media platforms says, hey, I'm kind of interested. If they see your username and they're going to, that you viewed or liked their profile, they're going to be reaching out and sending you a message. I mean, any chance you give a company to give inf get information from you, they're going to use everything they can to try to, to try to maximize that, right? So you might be, get, be, you may have been handed off to a recruiter as a lead. You might be, they might be paying for those leads, right? You may have been in their database forever, and, and everybody's stepped on you and trying to convince you that maybe, maybe I've got the magic touch, and I'm going to be able to convince this traveler to, to go to work for us. Obviously, they're going to be going out there, like I said, on social media, posting memes, posting jobs, trying to see if they can hook you and get you in based upon, I guess, the likelihood of a job they're posting turning out to be something that you're interested in. But they're trying to build what's called a pipeline. In other words, people that are actively looking for positions or that are interested in them, which would be a subset, even though they may be working for another company or on assignment currently. it's That's the recruiter's job is to increase and build, build, build that. The more successful a recruiter you are, the less you have to go into that cold calling type uh, mode, which means you're not going to be out there fishing as much on social media. You're not going to be having that potentially that social media coordinator giving you every single person that they're hooking into. You're, you're, you've earned the right as a, as a solid recruiter to kind of skim off the cream off the top, so to speak. And I think that probably happens with every company. There's, there, are, there are recruiters that have earned the right to get the best leads or to get the best access to the database because they've proven to that company that they close and solidify leads better than other people, other recruiters do. So there's, there's always that. So that's what they're always doing. They're looking for, and you're, you're being trained to, to continue to grow and build your quote-unquote pipeline so that you have more and more options with all the different travelers. And there's, there's, there's so many ways that they're doing that, whether they're going in and hoping that, you know, 
there's a match that works. Like I said, there's, there's, there's a job they can call because you just came in. This is what they're doing all day long. And they're also prioritizing, by the way, this aspect of being a recruiter. They're trying to figure out what's the best chance. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, definitely cold calling is not as strong as following up with someone that said, hey, call me in six weeks, right? So that's going to be higher on their list of priorities. Somebody that's already booked the assignment, but maybe they're going to help the credentialing team by saying, hey, we still are missing your payroll information or we don't know what you're doing with regard to your TB. They may jump in and say, I don't want to lose my commission on that deal. This traveler's kind of waning. Let me help my, my credentialing department, see if I can jump in and get this moving a little quicker so I don't lose the deal I already have. So they're constantly all day long prioritizing what's the most important to them. Whether it's because it's personal money or because they're getting hounded by the powers that be to say, hey, we're making this a priority because this isn't happening because it's going to have the company's priority behind it, if you understand what I'm saying. So there you go. I, 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 again, I, I'm on, I put a couple things down there, but I, I was going to cover recruiter commission again. I'll cover it briefly by saying, because I already did. I, I, I didn't mean to go into the whole sliding scale thing, but I think I've kind of handled that. Here's what I will tell you. Understand, I don't know of a company that's ever existed I'm sure there's one, but I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe there is. I don't know. That doesn't compensate their recruiter for your working for them one way, shape, or form. Now, here's some of the nuances. You could make the recruiter more money the more hours you work. Certainly, you could make the recruiter more money the more higher margin you're, you are generating the company. In other words, the worse the deal you sign. There are times when I've seen commission plans that the more travelers a recruiter has working under them at any given point, the more they start making for more. In other words, they've incentivized the recruiting team that we're going to pay you higher commission once you get past 20 people, once you get past 50 people, once you get past 100 people. Their commission starts going up either all for all of them or for the newer deals. There's, there's, there's almost an unlimited amount of commission plans for recruiters. But trust me, the higher-ups and the smart people that work for those companies have figured out what is our best way of incentivizing and motivating this particular recruiter and a recruiting team. And sometimes it has to do with your pay and sometimes it will cost you. Oftentimes it doesn't. Oftentimes it's a company's decision that we're going to pay higher commissions regardless and does not come out of your pay based upon their performance. But that's more of a retention tool for that company and more of an incentivizing program that says, hey, I've kind of made it. Now I'm, I'm out, now I'm in the big bucks, and I don't want to start looking elsewhere or another company or getting out of this industry because I'm burnt out. That's a real thing. So we're constantly doing that. That's about all I'll say about recruiter commission that I haven't already said. I mean, it is, everybody is making money that, that talks you into taking a job with them. Any recruiter is, is making some compensatory income off of you at least being employed by that company. Make no mistake, and I don't think you guys didn't know that. It's not a revolution I just threw out there. But it's something you should always consider, and it's one of the things I always hated about the recruiting model is that it does interfere with the relationship. There's no way it can't. If you have a problem, you always know in the back of your mind, is that recruiter telling me something because she just wants to appease me or she wants to appease me, or am I really getting what I need? And you don't know. And again, I'm not here to beat up and say a recruiter isn't, but there's, there is that fundamental piece that is thrust between a recruiter and a traveler that is real and it exists. One of you is personally making money off of the other one and commission off of the other one. You're making money working through the company, but not it doesn't matter to you what recruiter or what agency you're working for. You're going to make money regardless. That recruiter is 
personally being compensated for you working through them. (laughs) Right? There's no other way to look at it. So that's unfortunately does get in the way of this relationship that so many of you guys are talk about sometimes. Here's what I will say, and this is this is an important aspect of it. Your compensation, your compensation is oftentimes, in my opinion, what you guys have told me. This isn't my opinion. This is what you guys have told me. This is but a formulation of an opinion over years and years. Is that understanding how you guys get paid is probably the biggest area that most recruiters don't truly understand. I do believe the longer you've been a recruiter, the more you get it, the more you get tax advantage, the more you understand the company's margins. But there are things that even the best recruiters oftentimes don't know about. For example, under really understanding how to explain to you the more taxable payroll a company has, the more payroll tax a company has on you and how that affects the overall compensation a company can offer you. I just said a lot. We talk about in our episodes. That's a real thing. When bill rates were high and hopefully compensation was high, and most of that, the, the only place that grew was the taxable rate because you can't just give more and more tax-free. So as the bill rates went up, the meals and incidentals and the housing is fixed. There's a limit. So just because the bill rate went up, again, I've always said it's not based upon your pay. You can literally... You know, be an hourly employee working at a fast food restaurant, and if you're for some reason getting tax advantage in that town because you're working for that corporation outside, your tax-free dollar amount for meals and centers and housing would be no different than a surgeon who's working in that same county. It's not about what you make; it's about what you're allowed. What is about how much expenses you have to live in that community in that that zip code for that day. So, last time I looked, a surgeon doesn't require more in, more more things tax-free to live than an hourly fast food employee. So that's the same thing applies here. So when the rates went up and your pay rates went up, your taxable wages went up, which means it does eventually, because a company is paying payroll taxes on that taxable income, it means that pie is affected. In other words, that one slice that we've talked about, and please go back and listen to the pie episode if you don't know what I'm talking about, that slice of pie, which is the payroll taxes, gets larger by percentage than it was when it's a smaller. So it does ebb and flow based upon how much taxable income you have. It becomes a bigger piece of that pie. It's not. It doesn't stay steady at, this, at that certain percent. The higher your taxes go, the more that starts to increase and become bigger. So it affects the overall, what the other slices, which is the company's margin and your pay compensation is affected and shrinks as that grows. It's, it's a pie. You can't just increase a piece of pie without the other pieces shrinking, if you understand what I'm saying, and if you look and see that visual. Many recruiters don't understand that concept. Many recruiters don't understand what I've harped about here, and that is you know, how to be paid properly for hours 36 to 40, that you should be getting a higher wage based upon including that tax-free meals, incidentals, added to your taxable rate, and having all of that be taxed, and that is your true hourly compensation for 36 to 40. And that is the figure that should be multiplied by 1.5 to get your overtime, holiday, and callback, not just the taxable income. Most recruiters kind of don't understand. Well, I don't get it. Why would that? Why, why do you do that? Most recruiters don't understand the fact that what uh, could be opening up a can of worms here. I don't want to get too detailed, but when a holiday comes early in the week and, and a traveler only works three shifts, the company actually lose lose margin if you follow me on that if you're if you're a 36 hour traveler in work week 
and let's just say New Year's Day falls on a Monday and you only work three shifts, one third of your income is being paid at time and a half. Or and definitely a time and a half. Now, again, the company's probably only paying the taxable income, but still, it's a third of your income. Whereas the company's overall bill bill amounts was was while one third may have been holiday. Usually, that's only ten bucks more an hour. So, if you follow me on that, it does shrink. I don't like holidays. If a, if a travel you know, if it falls in the beginning of the week and the travel only works their hours, it's actually a, a week where margins hurt. And some companies have calculated a way around that to keep their margins steady, which means they're actually drop their pay into a different holiday pay, which is not time and a half in order for them to compensate for that shortcoming of their margin. So they're guaranteed to make that same amount of margin weekly on those work weeks. Has a lot to grasp and more than I want to talk about, but a recruiter oftentimes doesn't get what what we're just what I just said. So try and explain your payroll and your compensation and insurance and how that affects it. And if you guys have a 401k being offered, this is heady stuff for a lot of recruiters. And a lot of them struggle. Like I said, this is one of the biggest areas that they struggle with. You guys need to make sure that you don't. You should be talking to your CPA and getting this information so that you can regurgitate it backwards and forwards because this is really important. It's one of the most important parts of being a healthcare traveler is understanding that you're getting paid properly, fairly, and and when you have certain nuances pop up that you know more than your recruiter does about how you should be paid. This is important stuff. So talk to your CPA and please, please, please use a CPA if you're going to be a traveler. Talk to your CPA about exactly these things I'm talking about. How does this all work? And especially with tax advantage, make sure you're on the right page. You're doing things effectively. Your company's doing things right. So they do try in recruiter training to explain compensation. It's a difficult one, and you guys should know that. I'm just trying to walk you through. I hope you guys are seeing that being a recruiter is not easy. So I, you may think I beat up recruiters a lot, but I also will tell you that it is not an easy job. It's a lot of hard work. Oftentimes, some of the best recruiters don't leave their job at 5 o'clock when they go home or on the weekend. Some do. I guess it depends upon the, the individual and the personality and the company's ability to be able to, or and their desire to have this to communicate. But... It's still, I'm telling you, I mean, again, I beat them up. I do all the time, but it is not an easy job. Being a recruiter is pretty tough stuff. It can be fun. It can be a really wonderful, lucrative you know, career, or has been, but it is not an easy one, and that's why so many people don't survive. You have to understand credentialing, and I'm going to talk about this briefly here as a recruiter. I understand that most companies nowadays, especially the larger they are, have a, rec- a credentialing department that helps you onboard and get to an assignment. We, we've done episodes. We're doing episodes. We talk about credentialing quite a bit. But a recruiter is still the one that's making the commission. So he or she is very motivated to make sure that that process goes as, as well as possible. Whether they're involved or not, they want to know that you're getting your stuff done and you're starting your assignment time so the commission can start flowing as fast as possible. So they do need to understand what is a TB, what's a quantiferin, what is what what do we what's a fit test look like, what what's MMR stand for, you know what else do we need to have? These are the the basic principle of things, and it's a pretty relatively fast learn, and it's not something that that typically is that difficult to understand once it's taught. But they do have to understand the same things you need to understand. I don't care if it's testing, if it's um, you know the modules that you're being required to do from some vendors and some systems and some hospitals. They need to know what this looks like and sounds like so they can make sure it's getting done. They they are motivated 
as much as you are, oftentimes more so than some of you, to make sure credentialing is done. So it's just another area, another avenue that they've got to go through. So I want to wrap the episode up because I, I'm, it's a lot. But here's what I was just saying a little bit ago, and I'll go back and let me repeat myself again and say I've never envied recruiters. I've done some recruiting. I've never officially been a recruiter ever in my career, but I have recruited a lot, if that makes sense. But it's never, I've never held that title. But I understand the process. I've trained hundreds of recruiters. It is not an easy job. It is not an easy process to get through. It is why I said a few seconds ago that it is a high turnover. I'm sorry that we are into 2023 and that our industry now has the ability for us to do things way more efficiently and effectively than a recruiter can do. I absolutely believe that while you see more and more apps coming out with companies and you see more and more web-driven processes that help, the next step needs to be that more companies need to start to increase their traveler compensation because of the ease and the lack of cost of not having a recruiting team. If you got one of these companies that's saying, here's what you get if you get a recruiter, here's what you get if you don't, it better pay more if you're not using a recruiter because, A, I don't think you need them. If you've got the right software and the right app, you shouldn't have to have somebody there to tell you when a job's available and what it pays and to let you know what you need in order to be submitted to that job. You just shouldn't. Give me one th- reason why anything I just said is has to be done by someone who's prioritizing their day all day long and prioritizing how much commission they're going to make off of you. You don't you don't need it. And it's inefficient, incredibly inefficient. Way past our time in this industry. Most industries have moved into this realm years ago. I I came up with a concept and I'm, I wasn't the only one, but I was one of a handful of people that I think at the same time we were all thinking about this. Just so happens we came out with one that was t- totally recruiterless before anybody else did. We know that. We were the first ones with a completely recruitless model to release on iTunes and Google Play. And we think as we develop it, as more other companies develop it, it's going to become the norm. And we believe heavily that it's one thing to be able to communicate fast and effectively, but you gotta make sure that compensation reflects the ease of use and the lack of cost that a company's experiencing. Recruiter training. I hope that sums it up for you guys. As always, I appreciate you. I'll catch you next time on Travel Evolved.